Hey, my name is Jarrett Stevens, and I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church. And I want to let you know uh, we're doing things a little different with this message. See, last weekend, I gave perhaps the greatest sermon of my life, greatest sermon perhaps in all of human history. Um, but we had some technical difficulties, and the video and the audio didn't actually record. So unfortunately, you are not going to be able to hear that sermon. So we thought, well, that's too bad because if it's so great, we really want people to actually hear it. And so what we're actually doing right now is reshooting that message in front of a live studio audience filled with no one. There's literally no one here. It's just me and the cameras, but I really want you to have this message as we continue in our Mastering the Money Monster teaching series. This is actually week two, the final week of our Mastering the Money Monster series, where we're looking at God's heart towards our resources and how we can align our heart with God's heart. And if you missed week one, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that because what we did in week one is we flipped the lights on of truth to see that there actually is no money monster. There's no monster that's out there that's trying to get you when it comes to your money working against you. That money is actually a non-emotional entity and God invites you to be in control, to be the master, to take res radical responsibility with your resources. And so that's what we're gonna look at today. We're gonna look at how you can actually have a plan for your resources that leads to greater life, that leads to greater joy, greater freedom, and actually honors God, blesses you, and actually blesses others. We're gonna get really spiritually practical in this message. Now, before we get into it, I wanna ask you a question. I wonder if you were a Lego kid growing up. Were you a Lego kid growing up? I, I was seriously in, I was like professionally into Legos. And one of the great joys of being a parent is that I get to go back and, and play with all my old toys because our kids are really into Legos. And if you were into Legos as a kid, you know, there's really two types of Lego people. Perhaps there's two types of people in the world. There are those who stick to the plan, you know, the little booklet that tells you how to build it all. And then there are those who just kind of like free form jazz the whole thing and make it up as they go. Now, our son is actually a little bit of both. In fact, I brought a picture I want you to see of just some of the Lego sets that he's built. And he is a whole shelf filled with all these incredible, incredible Lego creations where he's followed the instructions meticulously, every sticker is in the right place, but that's only one small part of his room. I wanna show you a picture of the rest of his room because what our son has become is a sort of like repo man. He goes to the shelf of the finished Legos and pulls them down and takes them apart for parts, strips them down, and then is now rebuilding a whole Lego city that he's just kind of making up on the fly. That's really the joy of Legos is you can either stick to the plan or you can just kind of make it up as you go. And the same is actually true of us when it comes to our money, when it comes to our resources, there really are two types of people. There are those who actually stick to a plan and kind of plot it out and make their money work for them. And then there are those who sort of make up a plan as they make money. So they have to kind of keep making more to sort of make it all work. There's those that stick to a plan and then there's those that don't. And what I want us to, to look at today is how to have a plan for your finances, for your resources. Because here's the deal, whether you're a planner or not, and some of us just kind of are more naturally planners, some of us aren't, but here's something you have to know, really important for you to know about your money. Whether or not you're a planner, there are plans for your money already. In fact, 
everyone else has a plan for your money. Did you know that? Everyone else has a plan for your money. Think about it for a second. Every restaurant you go to has a plan for your money. They want you to spend your money at their place. Every car dealership has a plan for your money. Every credit card, now I know you know this, every credit card has a plan for you. They have a wonderful plan for your money. That's why they keep sending you all those love letters in the mail is because they want your money to be their money. Everyone else has a plan for your money. So the question is, whose plan is your money following? Whose plan is your money actually following? Is it going to follow everyone else's plan? Or is it going to follow the plan that God gives you, one that actually leads to life and greater freedom? So what I want to do for the next couple of moments is walk through, honestly, a pretty simple plan that can radically transform your finances and transform your life. It actually leads you to a life of generosity. See, because that's something I, I believe to be true of you. Whether you're a planner or not, I believe you want to be a more generous person. I think we all do. And the plan, this really simple plan I'm gonna walk through actually leads you to greater generosity, greater freedom in your life. And I'm gonna be really honest about this plan. It's a selfish plan. It's actually a selfish plan for a more generous life, if that makes sense. And here's what I mean by that. This plan actually enables you to win. You stick to this plan, you actually win. You are blessed. You actually win. And simultaneously, God is honored in the process and others are blessed. It's a simple, selfish plan that leads to a more generous life. And I just want to take a second and, and bless all of those who, whatever their sort of plan is, those who give faithfully to what God is doing here, We've kind of gotten on board with this idea. Uh, this wouldn't all happen. This, we wouldn't be shooting this video, recording this. We wouldn't have this church if it weren't for those who got this idea, who didn't have generosity sort of as a hope or desire for one day, but they made a plan to actually have a generous life. And so I just want to bless every single person who gives faithfully to God here. And we want to see more and more and more people do that, live in that kind of freedom, to grow that kind of generosity. So I want you to grab a Bible if you've got one, or maybe if you're watching online, open up in a separate window to Proverbs chapter six, Proverbs chapter six. We're going to look at a simple selfish plan for a more generous life and kind of what the big idea is behind it. The book of Proverbs, as we've taught here before, is perhaps one of the most spiritually practical books in the Bible. It's an incredibly spiritually practical book that you can just glean wisdom from God and directly apply it to your life and see transformation happen. You don't even have to be a Christian or a follower of God. That's how generous the wisdom of God is. This stuff is so good. You can actually take these principles and apply them to your life and see change, see transformation. But when God is at the center of it, it is exponential transformation. And so I want us to look at Proverbs chapter six. Solomon, who wrote the book of Proverbs, is making a really, really, really big point about those who kind of put their money to work and those who don't, but he uses a really teeny tiny example, metaphor for us to get what he's talking about. So let's look at Proverbs chapter six, verse six. It says this, go to the ant, you what? You 
sluggard. I love that word. You got to just say that word out loud, sluggard. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Now just pause right there. What is a sluggard? It kind of means exactly how it sounds. A sluggard is a lazy fool. So not just a lazy person or a fool, it's a lazy fool. Someone who just refuses to apply wisdom to their life and refuses to do anything about it. So he says, go and look at the ant, you lazy sluggard. Again, these are his words, not mine. I don't know why he's so mad at you, but he says, go look at the ant, you lazy sluggard. Consider its ways and be what? And be wise, be wise, have wisdom. You can learn a lot from a little ant. Verse seven, it says this about the ant. The ant has no commander. It has no overseer or ruler. Yet, look at this, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. In other words, the ant has a plan. The ant has a plan. Now, I don't know how often you think about ants. How often do you really think about ants? And the answer is a lot. That's weird. That's, I just need to tell you, that's just weird that you're thinking about ants so much. But you don't tend to think about ants until you see one crossing a sidewalk, or you find one in your house. But even though you're not thinking about ants, there's something that ants do without even having to think about it. They know how to actually have a plan. It's as though this little tiny ant knows that tomorrow's potential and possibility are proportionate to today's plan. So my plans today affect my possibilities, my potential tomorrow. That little tiny ant that you don't even think about knows that today's responsibility actually affects tomorrow's reality. What does the ant know that you and I tend to forget? The ant knows that you can't control everything. You don't know what will come in the next season or the next year of your life. You just simply cannot control all that. And specifically when it relates to your finances, you can't control sort of the global economy. You can't control when or whether or not we'll actually have another national recession. You can't control any of that. But there is something you can control. It's your money. You actually get to master the money monster and put it to work for you. For all of the things that you can't control, God says, you actually get to take radical responsibility. You get to take control of the things that you can. And if you don't, your money will follow everyone else's plan. It'll just follow everyone else's plan. Somehow, the ant knows this. Now, Solomon goes on. He talked about you being a sluggard earlier. And he goes on to paint a picture of what a sluggard looks like in comparison to this teeny tiny ant. This is what he says in verse nine. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? How long will you lie there? When will you get up from your sleep? It's like Solomon is trying to grab you by the shoulders and say, wake up, wake up. You are sleepwalking your way through life, through your resources, through the responsibility that you're actually invited to take. And he goes on to kind of paint. And I think it's a real patronizing voice. You got to imagine this being written with real patronizing voice. This is what he says in verse 10. Oh, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And what? And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. We talked about scarcity last week. It's that fear that there's not enough. It's ultimately the fear that God's not enough or good enough to care for you. 
But Solomon is not, he's not messing around here. He's throwing some serious Old Testament shade at anyone who is unwilling to take responsibility with their resources. He's making a comparison between a teeny tiny ant and a sluggard. He says that the ant actually makes a plan while the sluggard makes excuses. That the ant actually takes responsibility while, according to Solomon, the sluggard takes a nap. Now, a question for you as you think about the ant and the sluggard. Who is actually, just think about this. Who is actually going to have more tomorrow? Who's going to be able to live off of more longer? Who's actually able to, to give more for more and more of their life? Who's going to be more generous, do you think? Ant or the sluggard? It's the ant. Because of the plans they make today, sets their life up for greater freedom and joy and generosity tomorrow. See, this is what I think is often so missed and misunderstood when it comes to generosity. To be the type of person you really long to be with your resources, the, to live the kind of life you were created to live. I think a lot of people tend to think, you know, generosity is just sort of a feeling we feel. And typically we feel it around Christmas time or we feel it when we, you know, have a little bit more and we are in the mood to be a little bit more generous. And that's lovely and that's beautiful and that's a great place to start. But without a plan to be more generous, you are not going to be able to be generous for very long. If you really want to be a giving, generous person, you actually have to take radical responsibility and set your life up to do so. Listen, no one stumbles into a more generous life. In fact, all the statistics say that the more people earn, the less they give because they're so afraid of losing it, so afraid of not having enough. If you're going to live a life of generosity, it's going to require daily responsibility. A life of generosity requires daily responsibility. It requires you taking responsibility today, not taking a nap, not kind of folding your hands and going, you know what? I'll get to it. I'll figure it out. I'll get around to it later. Like that life requires action and responsibility today. See, I believe that generosity is actually a God-given desire. It's true of who God is. He is a generous God, gave everything for us, including his own son. I believe that generosity is a God-given desire, but it's going to take a God-driven plan. Remember, everyone else has a plan for your money. So the question is, what will be your plan? Will you be like the ant or will you be like the sluggard? So what I want to do for these next couple moments, and you might want to grab a pen or something to jot some of these notes down. Again, it's incredibly simple, but it has the power to change your life. And what I want to walk through is a really, really, really simple plan for how you can have a more generous life. John Wesley, the famous theologian and founder of the Wesleyan movement said this many, many years ago. This was his plan. He said, make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. I love that. Now that's simple, right? Make all that you can. That's cool. Make as much money as you can. Save all you can, like the ant for a future day. Give all that you can. I love that. That's beautiful. A little vague. It's lacking some specifics. So what I want to do is just kind of walk down like how you break this all down. And what I want to share with you is a plan that was actually shared with Jeannie and I many, many, many years ago. And I'm so grateful 
to God for the people who apply this godly wisdom to their life. They taught us and now it's structured how we set up our finances. It's how we're teaching our kids about money. It's an incredibly simple and if I'm honest, selfish plan for a more generous life. Smartest folks we know set up their finances this way. See, the reality is your finances tend to fall, typically fall into three buckets. There's really three buckets when it comes to your resources. There uh, is the present bucket. This is kind of like the things of today, your present needs, your bills, your, you know, kind of memberships, all that kind of stuff, mortgage, car payment, all that kind of stuff. And then there's the future bucket. That's anything that you would save for tomorrow, like the ant that you would put away for another day. And then there is the eternal bucket, three buckets that really all of your finances fall into one of these buckets. And the smartest people we know (laughs) set it up this way. They say to take a percentage of what you make, of all that you make, and you set it aside. And the first portion, the first percentage goes to things eternal, things greater than you, things bigger than you, things of God, things that have an exponential impact in this world that can outlast and outlive you. Smartest people we know take the first 10% or so and invest that into things eternal. Now that idea of 10% comes from a Old Testament biblical concept called the tithe. And it's where folks would take the first, they would take like a 10% of their crops, their livestock before anything else. And they would dedicate that to God. They would give that to the purposes of God. That's where that word tithe, it's kind of a churchy word, but that's where it comes from. It means 10%. And here at Soul City Church, we believe that is a great benchmark to get to or to start from. But the idea is that you would set a percentage that you wouldn't just kind of, you know, throw a couple bucks in here or there. That's just kind of like tipping God. This is about giving to God. And then you say, this is a percentage. Now you may not be able to start at 10, but could you start at 3% and actually figure out what the number is? And then as you make more, you increase that number. You continue to grow. Or as you kind of master your money, you're able to increase this percentage, regardless of whatever it is that you make. So first 10% goes to things eternal. Then the smartest people we know say that the next percentage, 10%, goes to the future that you put it away and you lock it up. You just kind of put it away and lock it up. When you give a percentage of your income, your resources to your future, basically what you're doing is paying your future self. You're investing in your future self. Because again, like the ant, we don't know, we can't control everything that's gonna happen in our life and in this world. But what we can do is set aside money for the future. After I've set aside a percentage for God, then I pay my future self a percentage. And I'm telling you, I know this is hard in our culture, in our world, where we're all about the now and all about the moment and no one's really thinking about tomorrow. One day, if you get this one right, one day, your future self will thank your present self. You will say, thank God I got this one right. And I set aside a future portion for myself. I paid myself in the future. And then the other 80% goes to the present. Goes to the present. That's all your bills, all the things that, you know, food, all that kind of stuff. That's the rest. The rest you actually get to enjoy, take responsibility with, pay your bills, do all that. 
and enjoy. You actually get to enjoy. There's all kinds of things that happen in the present moment, all kinds of requirements and responsibilities that you have, but you set aside the first portion of God, you set aside the second portion for your future, and then you live off of the rest. Does that make sense? You kind of have a plan for your finances. So I thought we could break it down. And I thought this would just be really fun uh, for added sound effects. So let's just break it down. You take the first 10%. We're going to use that as a kind of a benchmark. And that goes to God. That goes to things eternal. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There you go. So you get to give that to God. Again, you kind of need to start where you need to start, but that 10% is a great benchmark. And you say that belongs of my kind of bucket of resources that I've been entrusted with. And it looks different for every one of us. That first portion goes to God. Then I'm going to do it without even thinking about it. I'm just going to go one, two, three, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's going to go to my future self. I'm going to pay myself, my future self with that. And then here's the fun part. The rest. That was really fun for all the podcast listeners. The rest actually goes to your day-to-day life, to today, to what you need. Isn't I mean, it's a simple, I get it, it's so simple, but this is a transformative plan. If you can take responsibility and master your money today, this is a great plan that can actually lead to life. I know it sounds so simple, but this is the difference between the way of the ant and the way of the sluggard. See, the, the way of the sluggard typically tends to not have a plan at all. The, the, the hope for the sluggard is, you know, once I make more, then I'll take more responsibility. Once I make more, then I will be more generous. That's kind of the hope. That's the plan, if you will, of the sluggard. Make more, take more responsibility, make more, be more generous. But I think we all already know, and I think we've all learned a ton from the Reverend Biggie Smalls when he taught us more money equals no problems. So you already knew that. doesn't work out that way unless you actually stick to a plan. Because I forgot to tell you, there actually is another bucket. This is why it's so important that you have a plan because there's another bucket. And that bucket is actually your past. Your past. So we got things eternal. We got things future. We got things present. But for a lot of us, we've been carrying around a bucket from past purchases that we have yet to pay off. So maybe for you, it's college loans. A lot of folks have college loans. Maybe for you, it's credit card debt. You know, it's so amazing. Over the last 10 years, the average American consumer has increased 11% of their credit card debt alone. That's grown by 11% in the last 10 years. In fact, here's what's amazing. The average American consumer in just credit card debt alone owes 16000 $748 in credit card debt alone. Now, some of you may be thinking, that ain't nothing. You got way more than that, right? Or maybe you have way less. What's incredible though about those who owe, average American owes $16,748 in credit card debt. Do you know how much they pay in interest every year? Every year in interest alone that actually does nothing to eliminate the past purchase. They spend $1,300 a year in interest. And this is what's so interesting about our past purchases. This is what they tend 
to do. When we have to pay off the past, when we keep carrying this around, the first place your past goes to pay itself off is things eternal. Just kind of borrows from that and says, you know, well, eternity is kind of a long time. And so you'll be able to sort of make this up or there's other people that can kind of make this up for you. And so what tends to happen is that bucket of eternal actually gets borrowed from to pay off the past. And then the next place you want to guess where it goes, it goes right to the future and says, look, come on. I mean, that's a long ways off. You are young-ish. And so you'll have plenty of time to pay off your future self, pay yourself a check into the future. So what your past loves to do is just borrow from your future. And after it kind of empties those buckets out, then it sort of takes what it needs from your present. And you find yourself just sort of going back and forth, paying off the past with the present, paying off the present and incurring more debt later. And it's just an endless cycle back and forth between the two. See, it's a a powerful bucket. If it ever felt like there were a money monster, our past purchases, our debt can feel that way, can it? But the truth of God's word flips on the light for you and says, there is no monster. You were never meant to be enslaved, indebted to anyone else. God actually created you for and calls you for freedom. And if you're willing to take radical responsibility, if I'm willing to take radical responsibility, this is something Gene and I have had to do personally from the beginning of our marriage, say we want to eliminate debt anywhere and everywhere. It may pop up in our life, cut up credit cards whenever and wherever we can, because it's going to steal and rob from the things that matter most to us, things eternal, our future. And we don't want to just keep paying off the past with the present and vice versa. If you're willing to actually take radical responsibility and create a plan like this, you can eliminate those past debts and actually be able to invest in things eternal, exponential, greater than you. You'll actually be able to pay your future self and you will thank yourself one day for doing so. And then you will be able to enjoy what you have with the rest. I'm telling you, it is a transformational shift that any one of us, that every one of us can make. And that's why we talk about money in church. That's why we take this so seriously. That's why we offer our budget boot camp. This weekend, our budget boot camp is actually having a whole workshop on breaking up with debt, how you can just empty out that past bucket so that you can live more present in the moment and actually be able to save for the future and to give to things eternal. See, I think that is honestly what we long for most is to be able to give to things greater than ourselves, to give to things eternal. And I want to take just a second to, to talk about this bucket, to talk about what it means to actually give to things eternal. See, whether you realize it or not, you're actually already really good at giving. You're really, 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 really good at giving. You just may not be giving to things eternal. See, every time you give your money to credit cards, you're giving. Every time you give your money to a restaurant, you're giving. Every time you give your money to anthropology, you're giving. Every time you give your money to a gym membership, whether you use it or not, you're actually giving. So you're already used to giving, but I wanna help you shift. I wanna help you excel in the grace of giving to things eternal. 
And Jeannie and I support and give our resources to a lot of incredible nonprofits, both here in the city of Chicago and all over the world. There's some great organizations and great ministries that are doing incredible work that we love supporting. Some of them are our friends. Some of them we've just partnered with for years. We love doing that. But I'm just gonna tell you, I have yet to find a greater investment in this world for things eternal than the local church. I've yet to find, we have yet to find a greater investment of our resources than the local church. Now, I wanna be really honest about this. I obviously have a vested interest in giving to the local church. A little biased on that one. I get it. I totally get it. But I'm telling you, we give to our church, to this church, because we have seen what God can do through our resources and in our hearts and in our lives by giving to him. There, I just have yet to find a greater eternal investment of your resources, your finances, your money than the local church. You think about just this church, Soul City Church. A couple of weeks ago, we baptized 54 people in one Sunday, 54 people showed us what transformation looks like in public. And if you are a giver, if you are someone who gives to this church and gives to things eternal, when you show up on baptism Sunday, that's like your like annual earnings report. That's like your, you know, your stakeholders meeting. That's where you get to see your resources, the return on your eternal resources. Every life that's been changed and saved and transformed by Jesus, every time they come out of the water, that's why we celebrate because we've invested in their transformation through this church, teaching God's word and engaging people in biblical community and loving and serving our neighbors. People are finding and following Jesus here and you actually get to invest in that. I think about our partnership with Brown and with Debt Elementary Schools. We love, we are privileged to be partnered with these schools. Two schools on the west side of Chicago here who are it's kind of under-resourced, significantly under-resourced and overlooked oftentimes by CPS, we came along as a local church and said, how can we partner with you? And from day one, we've been partnered with Brown and then eventually with Debt Elementary School. And it's because of people getting this bucket, getting giving, giving to things eternal, that we've been able to partner like we have. Do you know our Christmas store that we do here every year? We have a Christmas store for the family and our friends at Brown and Debt Elementary. And we ask you to buy toys, to give, to purchase toys and coats and hats and gloves and presents for kids and presents for adults, brand new, not hand-me-downs, brand new items. And then we sell those at greatly, significantly reduced prices so that there's actually dignity in the exchange and so that folks are actually able to buy presents for their kids or kids are able to buy presents for their parents. And when you invest in this local church, you are investing in that kind of partnership. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to be a part of. I think about upstairs in our Soul City Kids Ministry, and we have a thriving, booming kids and family ministry here at Soul City Church. But we've noticed over the years that our fourth and fifth graders have kind of been getting a little disengaged and they haven't been, you know, wanting to come, honestly, because upstairs in our big room, 
We have kindergarten through fifth grade in one room just because of some of our space constraints. That's just sort of how we've done it. And we found out because we have a son who's a fifth grader, we came to find out, shocker of all shockers, fifth graders don't like hanging out with kindergartners. I know, it's shocking, especially when the younger kid is one of their siblings. So our leaders and our volunteers came together and said, what if we could create a whole ministry just for fourth and fifth graders? So a couple of weeks ago, we launched Club 45, which is an environment just for fourth and fifth graders. See what we did there with the name Club 45, fourth, fifth? Pretty creative folks around here. And I'm telling you, I got to peek in there. It happens just in our offices. We clear out our offices so that we have an environment for our fourth and fifth graders. And so as I'm coming out of my office on Sunday, I get to see these kids being intentionally loved and cared for by these amazing volunteers. In fact, last Sunday, our son Elijah came home and we were asking him how church was and we all got home from church together. He said, Dad, Club 45 was the best part of my weekend. Isn't that amazing? Did, Did you feel that way about church when you were in fifth grade? That it was the best part of your weekend? The reason we're able to start Club 45 and care for these fourth and fifth graders and all the other kids and families that we serve through Soul City Kids is because of folks getting this one right of giving to something greater than themselves, something eternal. I think about stories, so many stories in our church of life change, of transformation. I think of Lucas and Alicia who are a part of our team here, a amazing, amazing part of our church and small groups and volunteers. And they're always around. Not so long ago, uh, Lucas would had no interest in church or in God. In fact, he was a self-professed atheist. And Alicia was praying for her husband, Lucas, and praying that, you know, God would soften his heart. And there was a chain of events. They ended up here in Chicago. They ended up here at Soul City Church. And because of folks giving and creating a church like this that loves people wherever they're at, where anyone and everyone is welcome at the table, Lucas found a place for him to actually find God. And he trusted God and completely gave his life over to God over a course of time. And then they just jumped right on in. And you know what's so amazing? Lucas and Alicia lead our communion team. So every month when we have communion, Lucas is really the point person on that. He prepares the elements for others to remember the sacrifice of Jesus, which utterly saved and changed his life. In fact, these buckets here on this stage were designed by Alicia. This was a couple who was not on the same page when it came to things eternal. But when they got, when he got God's love for him, because you gave and you created a space like this, a church like this for him and thousands of others like Lucas, thousands of others like you and me. We get to be stakeholders, shareholders in things eternal. I'm telling you, I have yet to find a greater investment of my resources on this earth for things eternal that has an exponential impact greater than the local church. And our desire for you is to actually trust God, to go all in and trust God with your resources, not because we are desperate for your money. We trust God to completely provide for every one of our needs here as a church. But because we long for you to experience the joy, the freedom that comes from giving to things eternal. 
to have a plan, a selfish plan, a simple plan that leads to a more generous life. And so I want to strongly encourage you to check out what it means to become a giver to God. How do you actually give to God, to trust God, to go all in, even with your resources and actually give to God? It's one of the greatest ways to defeat, to master the money monster, to flip the lights on in your life. And so you can do that by going to soulcitychurch.com slash give. You can go there right now. I don't even care if you don't finish this video. You can just go there right now to soulcitychurch.com slash give. If you're listening on your phone, you can open that right up right now. And then there's tons of resources there to help you figure out what it means to have a plan and to be able to actually give to things eternal, save for the future and be wise and responsible and enjoy what you have in this present moment. I want to encourage you to go to soulcitychurch.com slash give and we would love for you to become a giver to God, to give to things eternal and experience exactly what we're talking about here today. I hope you do. And so I want to pray for you as we wrap up our time together today. God, thank you that you have yet to hold back on us. Thank you, God, that you, you didn't even hold back your own son. And you gave of yourself so that we could have all of you. And you're asking of us, all of us, that we would actually trust you with it all, that we would loosen the grip of our finances, that we would engage our hearts and our minds and our soul and be able to put together a plan, God, that honestly, where we get to win, you get to be honored and others are blessed because of it. God, I pray that that would be true of our church, that we would excel in the gift of giving, that no one would give out of guilt or obligation, but out of joy and freedom, because that's what you created us for. That's what you invite us into. And so God, I pray that you'd move in a mighty way through these words. God, whatever needs to stick, whatever action needs to happen, God, I pray that that next step would happen, that people would look into their own heart and their own resources. And for those who are already giving to you, God, that they would explore and ask the question, God, is there more that you're asking of me? Is there a greater ways of trusting you with my resources? And those who have never given to you would take radical responsibility and take a step of faith today and do so. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the life change upon life change, the miracle upon miracle that is Soul City Church. We bless you. God, we bless you for this church and we pray that you do great things in us and through us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.